Good afternoon, listeners, and a warm welcome to another exciting episode of the Language Matters podcast. My name is Dr. Mami Fondi your host, and today I can promise you that you, you are in for a treat. We are going to talk about something that we don't usually talk about, we don't focus on, but we think in, in line with the theme of uh, or the series of talks we've been having on this on this talk show, really, we need to pay attention to that. So, um, and I'm privileged to have uh, Catherine with me, who's actually carried out research into this, and she's here this afternoon to share her experiences, her insights, and hope. I think one thing that everybody will go away with is at least one takeaway. You know how we can minimize talking about weight, about shape in the workplace. So Catherine, thank you so much once again for your time this afternoon. And uh, like the tradition we have on the Language Matters podcast, I'll leave it to you to introduce yourself and tell our audience who Catherine is and what Catherine does. Ah, hi, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm, I'm honoured to be here and uh, it's always really good to talk about the research that I conducted as part of my um, sort of doctoral thesis and um, is sort of my general interest in, in the idea of weight, weight stigma, weight bias and sort of the medicalization and, and sort of pathologization of, of people's bodies. So it's, uh, it is an honour to be here. So thank you for the invitation. Um, yes, I, I recently completed my PhD at the University of Nottingham, um, and I'm now working as a, uh, a PhD trainer and developer um, for the Faculty of Medicine and Health Sciences there. Um, to give you a bit of an introduction um, about my research and a little bit of a background, um, it came about from um, sort of government reports that more and more people were purchasing um, diet pills off the internet. And this was creating um, uh, more and more damaging and harmful behaviors and also sort of physical impacts um, on the human body, on society, and also proliferating into our, our workplaces, our, our families, our children, um, damaging bodies, and in, in some cases, there even being fatal consequences. So from these reports that really triggered an interest into me to why people would go to those extremes to buy these products, because even though by all accounts, they are touted sometimes as natural and herbal products, they often contain really harmful products such as DMP, which is um, an explosive that has been known to cook human organs. So, you know, the, it, it's, it, this, this, this research was kind of really important for me. Um, and so I really wanted to have a, um, um, a kind of a look at the way that these diet pills were being um, touted online. And by doing that, I went to look at the advertisements. So looking at the advertisements. Now, looking at the advertisements meant looking at um, the, the discourses within the advertisements. And when I talk about discourses, I, I, I talk about a communication of thought, if you like. So for example, a discourse of medicine may be, um, um, you know, a, a, a scientific word. It may be the sound of a tablet fizzing in a glass. It may be a heart monitor, maybe the image of a chemical symbol. So really it's kind of a combination, not just of um, textual, but also of um, oral and uh, visual codes of communication. So it's really important when analysing these online advertisements to have a look at um, the language and the image and to see the interplay between all of them. 
Um, and, and, and what this did have revealed some, some, some really quite alarming insights into the way that um, bodies are perceived as entirely pathological. So they're completely medicalized. Um, and from this, I looked at then the, the narratives and the testimonials of the what would be considered the average weight loss seeker. Um, and the weight loss seeker was very much situated um, as unhappy, as psychologically discontent, as unsuccessful, as, um, as somehow inadequate and, and generally irresponsible, an irresponsible citizen. Um, and so, so, so looking at the ways that, that these were being portrayed, that really made me think about the importance of discourses, the importance of the way that we that we talk about body weight, we talk about body size, we talk about body shape, and how this then filters out into into our everyday spaces, into our families, into our schools, our colleges, our workplaces, definitely, and how we should really try to be more mindful of the way we talk about our bodies, but more at the workplace, the way that we that we shouldn't really talk about bodies. So. Um, there are many, many aspects to my uh, uh, PhD research, um, but mainly what I was most interested in is the way that the, um, the person that dares to expose any type of excess flesh, I don't like to talk about overweight or obesity because they're medicalized terms, but any, any variation in genetic size or, or, or differences um, was very much was very much represented as um, as unhealthy, as irresponsible, and as in need of treatment. And so, um, yeah, for me, that was the most damaging part of these advertisements. Hmm. That is deep, Catherine, uh, and quite alarming. You know that um, we we are being socialized into these things day in and day out, and every day they are pumped into our heads, and we've come to accept them as quote unquote the ideal, you know, and uh, just like I said from the beginning, just feeds into the theme of this, that language really matters. You know, when you are talking about body shape or weight or size or whatever it is, because it has an, a, a consequence on the person who is both speaking it and hearing it. You yeah. know, and like your research shows, some of these consequences are quite alarming. You know. That's right, yeah. If you think about discourse as, as a means of social construction, what I mean by that is, is, is what we hear and what we, what we consume, what we digest, and it's around us everywhere. Um, you know, if we think about, you know, languages everywhere, we hear it in the workplace, we see it in advertising on the television. Um, and if we think about discourse as a means of social construction, it's what, what, what both shapes society uh, and what is, is shaped by society. So we hear it, we believe it, it becomes part of our entrenched belief, attitudes, values. And then of course we then share that, we disseminate that. It's very hard once those kinds of discourses are so firmly entrenched to subvert them and, or, and, and, and contest them and to somehow question them. So I think analyzing language, analyzing discourse, questioning it, um, highlighting it, revealing these hidden ideologies and these damaging ideologies is, is really important in order for us to make any kind of social change around those damaging um, ideologies around body weight, shape and size. Thank you. So I really want us to uh, zone into an aspect of looking at the workplace, you know, and how we talk about bodies, both at the workplace or even at home. Should we be having those conversations in the first place? Is body size or weight an important factor 
in 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 the workplace you know and if if it's not why are we having those conversations yes yes I, th- I think that you know people do ask me those questions a lot and they say you know well how can we then change the way that we speak about our bodies and our shapes and our sizes in order to not offend and in order to not maybe have an effect and how can we talk about these things and I suppose there are two things that I would like to say about that firstly I feel that body weight shape and size are perhaps one of the prevailing ways that we openly discriminate in the workplace. We openly discriminate. We feel that it's socially acceptable to be able to comment, critique, talk about somebody's body weight, shape or size, be that if they've lost weight or if they've gained weight, it's socially acceptable. And when we think about other ways that we discriminate, we wouldn't necessarily in the workplace talk to somebody about their neurodiversity and comment on their level of neurodiversity, comment on their relative colour, comment on their relative poverty. All of, and so, so to me, it's something that we really need to question as a society, why we feel that it's okay to comment and critique on people's weight. And this happens in the media, this happens in the fashion industry, and it's proliferates down into the workplaces. So I think that, firstly, we need to really have a think about why we think that it's okay to comment on people's body weight, shape and size, because surely this is a personal choice. This is something that's part of, you know, you, you know, genetically we can't change our, our, our shapes or, or sizes. Um, and so for us to comment on, you know, whether or not we feel that it's, you know, you need to lose or gain weight is completely inappropriate. Um, and then secondly, I think, how do we change it? Well, the way that we change it is just to not talk about it. You know, we shouldn't talk about it. I think, I think that Yes, we can have conversations with our colleagues around, you know, how do you feel? Um, You look great. But I don't think that we should be commenting particularly on our body weight, shapes and sizes. Oh, you look really bright today. You look great. You look really healthy. But to, you know, to just define that and just situate that person within within that sort of fine category of, you know, I'm going to designate you with such and such a label because you're X, Y, and Z shape, I think is, is just really damaging. And I think that's what we need to do is we need to stop talking about not only other people's weight, but our own. For example, if we are in a situation where we are communicating with one of the other colleagues and both of you have been on a diet and you, you know, oh, you look great, you've lost a few pounds or oh, I feel terrible because I've, I've gained a few pounds and a person sitting not far away from you is much smaller than you or much bigger than you, and you are somehow um, congratulating that person for losing weight or celebrating the fact that that person's gained weight, then how does that other person feel? And I think that's what we're forgetting is that people compare and everything is relative to to each individual. Um, But unfortunately, when we largely celebrate body, body weight loss and denigrate body weight gain, that is the prevailing attitude and belief in that you know, we should all lose weight in order to be healthy. We should all lose weight. Now, I'm not here to debunk, you know, the link between what they would medicalize obesity, you know, and associated health risks. What I'm here to say is that we need to stop talking about these, these damaging ways that we are, we are encouraging people to perpetually self-diagnose themselves, perpetually compare themselves, perpetually look at the way that they look. Because, you know, it doesn't take somebody to have a look into the research to understand how damaging this can be and how this then has an impact on our colleagues then that filters down into our children and you know and 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 it's everywhere we can see all we have to do is open a magazine and we can see that it's everywhere so i think fundamentally let's have a think about why we think it's okay to, to to compare body weight 
and, and we need to stop talking about body weight as a defining principle of somebody's worth. Thank you so much. I mean, just by sharing that, the you you did mention at the beginning that your, your research looked at the, the relationship between language and image. Yeah. I need to find out what you found, because I'm not sure I've come across any advert that talks about, uh, I mean, displaying somebody as a professional and that person is, you know, there's, there's this always an ideal type of person that they use. You yes. Know? So how... Yeah. What did you find in relation to that? So um, I think when we think about um, when we think about language and we think about image and we think about the way that both of them re represent certain certain ideas and they can both communicate a certain message. But when combined together, we can see that it creates a much more open message. So for a very simple example of that, if we think about. Um, say the sign for, for for a car park you know it may have the sign of it you know this supermarket car park then there'll be an arrow pointing one certain ways but it's the combination of the language and the image that creates a more open message oh okay that's a car park and we know where it is so when we look at um well for the fact that we are more and more reliant upon um, this sort of virtual communication that we have at the moment. So we're thinking about, we're relying on online communication and we're getting a lot of our understandings, attitudes and belief from virtual communication. We have to think about, you know, language in it's sort of the grammar of visual design, if you like, and the way that image and language is constructed together in order to create this open message. Um, and if we think about um, weightless advertising, a really common trope that I'm sure everybody will be familiar with will be the before and after photographs. So if we think about the left to right, the given and the new, this is how you were, this is how you could be. So if we think about that kind of layout, that, that sort of incontestable layout of before and after, when do you ever see a before and after, but the person was thin after they gained weight and they looked so much better? No, undeniably, incontrovertibly, the thinner person is the new, is the better, is the successful, is, is, is the person that's to be celebrated, you know, the person that's achieved. And so it's even those kind of entrenched constructs that we see that are also underneath the language, oh, you know, they always personalise it. And Mrs. Smith from Bristol say is here. This is what she was. This is how she is now. And so because that is just it, 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 it never, you know, it's never subverted, that becomes then part of our reality. And so even those very simple things that are that we think that, that they may maybe naturalized and obvious, we need to unpick those. So unpicking the language against the image really helps us realize actually, no, I can demystify this. You know, th this is something that we come, we've come to believe that, you know, can't be questioned, but in fact we can. Yeah, I mean, that just takes my mind to uh, these clothes companies that uh, advertise, you know, and it's, I've, I think I've seen, I've seen it a couple of times saying that they're advertising, these are clothes for plus size, women you know so that that language uses even creating a distinction between the us and them distinction yeah yeah absolutely it's marginalizing people and you know when you think about plus sizes they're talking about like what they would categorize and define as maybe a size 12. yeah i mean what is a size 12 anyway or you know in europe in, in you know in in america we all have different sizes but certainly it's, it's marginalizing it's defining as you say it's just designated people in the plus label or, or plus size label in you know and and and, and that's just 
it's just stigmatizing no matter you know it's just stigmatizing you can't you know situate people in the in, in a narrow category and the narrow boundaries of your shape and your size it, it's 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 kind of it's very draconian it's very archaic and i you know we, we haven't caught up as a society in order to really try to to get rid of those stigmatizing discourses around around that Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're right. Even one of even, and if you talk, if you talk to what is considered plus size models, they are all very much against the idea that I have been designated with that label. Yet they, th that's where they get their funding. That's where they get their money. That's how they're, that's how they're situated in society. So it, then it's unquestioned, and it's kind of okay. So you're a plus size, you're a size drug, you're a plus size. But they would, uh, you know. Uh, the, the plus size models that I've spoken to are also very, you know, they're very uncomfortable with that label. Mm, that is revealing. That is revealing. Now, one thing that I can't let you go without talking about is a global workplace, you know, because I mean, I am just, as you share these things, I'm just reflecting on my own um, culturally acceptable uh, definition of the ideal size or the ideal weight so in in my Ghanaian context we would say the African woman you know mm. she's supposed to be very curvy and plumby with all all the curves in the right place mm. in the UK or Europe or America the ideal woman is different you know so how do we how do we juggle and I just feel I'm like so if I was very comfortable in my skin as a plus or the ideal Ghanaian woman, and I find myself in a global workplace that doesn't celebrate that idealness and almost makes me feel as if uh, I'm, I, I don't look great or I don't look the path of that of that career. How do we handle these? How do we even yeah. talk about them? I, I think there's so much there to unpack. How do we begin? There is so much there to unpack, you know, and, and you know, the, the, the sort of websites and the online advertisements that I looked at were very much based on the Western notional ideal of, of, of the thin ideal and completely um, disregarding any kind of sort of cultural or genetic or geographical differences in body weight, shapes and sizes. So I agree if you came from a particular culture where it was seen to be a positive thing that you had any what, what is considered to be excess flesh, then how do you then reconcile that with how you're then supposed to be in a, in a separate location? And I think it's really difficult. And I think that's something that, you know, again, need, needs to be more looked at. And it also works the opposite way. Way. So when I finished my PhD and I was looking at these diet pills um, on social media, I, 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 some further research that I'm looking at is on social media at the moment, there are, um, there are pills that are supposedly aiming um, to put on weight in certain areas of people. So for some people who want to put areas that weight on, on their bottom, on their bust, on their chest or whatever, these marketers they're so manipulative they, they and what they do is they 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 ride on the wave of fashion trends on current trends of cultural trends in order to peddle their products you know so it can be you know the, those particular um, products that i looked at were looking at the thin ideal things are changing you know and society changing our ideals are changing but it still all boils down to the point that where we feel that our happiness is contingent on the way that we look, which is prescribed by society. So society prescribes, whichever society you're in, modern Western society, whichever society you're in, it is prescriptive. So, okay, unless you are this, 
you cannot possibly have a successful career, a, a good relationship, you know, intimacy, you know, success in a psychological or emotional contentment, unless you conform to this, uh, this ideal that, that we just so happen to disseminate, that we so happen to promulgate that, okay, this is what you now need to be. You know, there are trends that are going through now, as I was just talking about, you know, having a big, a smaller waist and bigger thighs. If you can't somehow manage to, 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 to you know, achieve that, oh, the, suddenly the, 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 there's this pill on the market. And again, that, that's just the way they, they are, you know, they're selling sickness, they're peddling insecurities. Um, and it's just, it's just something that really needs to, to a, a light needs to be shone on, on, these, on these purveyors of these products because they are either insubstantial, fake, inauthentic, or they're extremely damaging in general. So yeah, it's, it's just, I think it's a really important really important point and and the, the point that you've just brought up is is also something that we really need to do more research on in is this kind of cultural differences in what is perceived to be beautiful or perceived to be acceptable or responsible or good um, and how we as consumers of these ideas feel that we are somehow responsible to to achieve that somehow you know or more often than not unrealistic body weight shape or size Mm, Catherine, I know you, you probably might not have an answer to this, but I'm thinking in this um, era of social media where things get thrown at us all the time, how do we protect ourselves? It's you very difficult. I mean, it's, it's very difficult, isn't it? I think the way that we can protect ourselves is to engage in these kinds of analytical behaviours. Um, I mean, I know certainly that, that, that research such as this would have really good practical implications for um, for educators within, you know, you know, health um, within schools, within colleges, within workplaces. And there's a health at every size movement that's a pocket of resistance around, around the, you know, these sort of damaging ideologies. So it's all about workplaces engaging with those pockets of resistance. I think, you know, things like the health at every size movement, I think are really important. Um, and also, you know, potentially developing more educational programs about demystifying um, the, the, the rhetoric and, and, and the, the, the strategies and the manipulating strategies from things like social media and online advertising. Um, so it's, it's about engaging with those agencies, engaging with those kinds of um, educational resources in order for us to at least start trying to change and subvert those those kinds of attitudes beliefs morals and values mm -hmm. i think yeah i think that's it, it, it's a start yeah yeah i mean so i mean oh I'm, I'm getting from all that you're saying that these sort of weight bias that we openly display and uh, talk about and kind of consume daily has uh, negative consequences yeah well, reaching negative consequences and positive, if, if there are any positive uh, consequences of this, and particularly in the workplace, I'm getting that, you know, that increased stress, mm, yeah. contribute to depression, at the end of the day, affects the mental health, you know, so yeah. that we are, we are looking at bottom line, how this can have negative consequences, because if so, your employee is not having the right mental health they're not going to give off the best 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, there's been an awful lot of research into how these sort of um, the, the, these these narratives, the, these rhetorics, these conversations around body weight and body stigma in the workplace had, does have a, a really negative impact on productivity, on, um, you know, and on the cost. You know, yeah. you know, people are not going into work because they fear um, discussions around their body weight. People are then, you know, it's triggering eating disorders. Um, so absences from work, all of those things, it has an impact on that we somehow feel inadequate, that we somehow feel like, okay, I can't go to work looking like this. I can't, I can't have somebody comment on the way that I look. I can't, you know, be one way or another. But I think, um, absolutely, I think that we, we, fundamentally need to change the discourses and the conversations that we have in the workplace. Our, our, our workplaces really should have a duty of care in order to ensure these conversations are not being had in the workplace. Um, because it is, it is imp impacting on, on the workforce, and it's impacting on your colleagues and it's impacting in your families and your communities. Um, and I think it, it really does need to be, to, to be brought to light. Yeah, I mean, just as we're having this conversation, I'm reflecting. So in my former life, I worked as a relationship manager in the bank, you know, and you would always, there's a particular type of young ladies and young men who are employed to do relationship management. Mm. So hiring managers who are listening to us, for example, so your ideal construction of a good fit for this role is potentially problematic and we need to sort of unthink and unpack some of these things and debunk them yeah absolutely absolutely you'll see that you'll see it all representative you'll never see a happy healthy and um, successful person that is represented as having what we would perceive to be excess weight as as representative of you know on the face of say a brand you, you, you'll never see that and so again, that 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 has an impact. That 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 suggests to us what is the ideal and what and what is not to be seen. Yeah, because more and more organisations are making the efforts to include people of colour in the advertisements yes. on their websites and all that. But are we looking? So when we look at that, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've not carried out a research, but we can do that manually and scan and see that you always see a particular <laughs> representation there with regards to weight and size and all that. So interesting, very interesting. I think I can finally let you go off. You've shared some of the tips as you've talked, but if you can sum up, you know, so that any hiring manager or any individual listening to us, you know, especially people who are keen on promoting workplaces that are inclusive, diverse, comfortable. Yeah. What are some of the tips they can go away with? You know? Okay, so I think certainly question your conversations in the office, those casual conversations that you have at the water cooler with your friends, with your colleagues, um, with, your, with your contemporaries. Think about how you talk about body weight and, and body size um, and try to avoid those conversations that define people um, and the way that your happiness and your success within the workplace is contingent on your body weight and size. So think about personally and professionally how you talk about body weight, shape and size within the workplace. Secondly, speak to your, um, your managers, perhaps your, um, if you have any um, EDR representatives within your organisation, 
talk, have a conversation with them if they have any kind of training or educational packages around body weight, shape and size. That, 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 that's um, another important thing that you can do. And, and thirdly, maybe think about engaging with those pockets of resistance, those campaigners, such as the Health, Health at Every Side movement, see what kind of, um, what kind of literature they have on that that you can use. Um, and, and yeah, just try to try to think about the way the way that you talk about talk about your your talk about success in the workplace and try to avoid conversations around body weight being attached to the notion of success. So we should be mindful, you know, mindful and um, mindful of not only of our language choices, mm -hmm. you know, kind. Yes. Well, and all of us, we don't just have to leave it to the EDI people, yes. uh, managers or whatever. All of us, I, I think yes. additionally, just adding to what you said, you can call it out if you yeah. have somebody uh, yes. doing that. And yes. together we can all make the workplaces, uh, the, the kind of places that we will be happy to go to every day, you know. Yeah, happy and secure and yeah, absolutely and confident that, you know, you're your body weight, shape or size is not going to be questioned or commented on um, as, as part of, you know, the, the most important thing that people think about you. You know, it's your, the most important thing people should think about you in your workplace is your professional practice, your yeah. conduct, your performance, um, you know, how you, how you, how you communicate with your, with your, your professional partners, with your colleagues, you know, all of those things. It should be about your behaviours, not about appearance. Yeah, yeah. So it's just about promoting, you know, people going to the workplaces with their authentic selves, yes. you know, without feeling being judged. Yes, exactly. Or discriminated yeah. against based on either how they speak this time, uh, emphasis on how they look. Exactly. How they look. Oh, exactly. So, so, so much, Kathleen. I have learned so much from this and I'll definitely be more mindful. Right. I'll definitely be more mindful in how I, I, I speak to people around me, how I speak to my children, you know, exactly. and, and when these things come up as well, you know, if I can call it out and not just look, look, look on, on consent because, Oh, that, that, that isn't me. It's somebody else. But exactly. Yeah. That's really important. And I think it, it's important to call it out. It's very difficult and it can be quite uncomfortable, but unless we start somewhere, this is just going to perpetuate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, if we can just make, like you mentioned, workplaces should make it more of an effort, you know, yes. put systems in place. Yes. To check and sort of mitigate against these things. If you make people comfortable to come up and say, this is what I'm facing, you know. Yeah. 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 yeah have, those, have those opportunities where people can comment anonymously. Yeah. You know, so that they don't feel like they're necessarily being stigmatized or you know having their finger pointed. You know, I overheard this conversation. Can we have can we have a meeting? Can we have some kind of principles or um guidelines in place for our organization that prevent this from happening? Yeah. Thank you so much. So thank you, listeners. Uh if you want to find Catherine, she's on LinkedIn. You know, if you think you need some sort of support with starting to have this conversation or you think you need more details, please do feel free to reach out. And I'm th I think Catherine will be more than willing Absolutely. to talk to you because this is what she's passionate about, you know, Absolutely. You know that we sort of mitigate weight bias. Yes. 
of discrimination that comes with it in the workplace. If you do have any questions, comments, please do comment. If you want us to come, I think we're, we're definitely going to have this conversation again, Kathleen, because there's so much. So much. So much. So we would love to hear from you listeners. What do you want? Questions, comments, contributions. Do keep coming and thank you once again for making the time to listen. And thank you, Kathleen, for taking time to, to have this conversation with me this afternoon. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. Yes. Bye for now.